0: Hey everybody, welcome to performance anxiety. I'm your host, Mark. And before we get started with his intro, I want to thank our sponsor AKG for sending us their podcaster essentials kit. It's got a great lira mic and a very wonderful set of headphones. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, this is the best way to do it. We're joined by Pablo Alvarez of good bison. His story begins with his emigration from Columbia to Miami as a kid. He went from not speaking any English to freestyle rapping for 26 straight hours to set the Guinness World Record. Good Bison formed after Pablo's original band Dinosaurs and Disasters fizzled out after moving from Miami to L.A. And after recording a Point Break-themed album, they now have a new EP coming out. It's short and it's fun, and a great new addition to my rotation. Give them a follow at Good Bison. Follow us at Performance ANX. We accept coffee on ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Merchandise is buyable at performanceanx.threadless.com. So grab a beverage and relax for a fun conversation with Pablo Alvarez and Good Bison.
1: Hey, what's up? I'm Pablo from Good Bison. Make sure to check out our new EP, Scattered Storms, available everywhere. And you're listening to Performance Anxiety.
0: All right. All right. Hey, nice to meet you.
1: Yeah. Pleasure to meet you as well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, my pleasure. I have taken the liberty of pouring myself two fingers in the honor of good bison of
1: Oh, I love it. Buffalo (laughs) trace. Nice.
0: My favorite bourbon. So (laughs) I think we start off on on the right foot that way.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, an adequate choice. Uh, More than adequate, I'd say. (laughs) A
0: couple (laughs) fingers of that and...
1: Yeah. It'd be a fun
0: show. The The music that, that you're making is definitely different for me. So it's, it's not what I would normally listen to. And it's really kind of opening things up for me. It's, it's, it's stuff that is, is sounds brand new to me. I, I'm really enjoying it.
1: Oh, I, I love to hear that. Yeah. I mean that, i i think that that's a big thing for me it's not like i'm trying to set out to do something different but i i have so many different influences and i and i hop around like with what i listen to so much yes that i can tell yeah <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but the thing that that fascinates me is you've got beyond just the music you've got a really fascinating story there's so much that's gone into your music, and you've done some pretty interesting things. So I kind of want to start, I guess, at the beginning, because uh, the best way to figure out where you're at is to know where you've been. So I want to learn a little bit more about how you got into music in the first place. And your story is a lot different than a lot of people I've had on the podcast because you were born in Bogota and emigrated to Miami how old were you when all this was going on?
1: I was seven years old when I got to Miami.
0: Wow. So you, you actually remember doing this?
1: Yeah. I I landed in Miami on July 4th,
0: 1999. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) Wow. Who, who came with you?
1: It was just my mom and I.
0: Oh my gosh wow how 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 i mean we, we on foot by how
1: so we 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 flew from bogotá to miami it was it was a pretty spur-of-the-moment decision uh mostly on my mom's part obviously i didn't have much say and uh really yeah i mean I, I i laid down the list of pros and cons but you just didn't hear me out
0: you threw down a couple a couple possible destinations miami cleveland you know
1: yeah, yeah. So, uh and i i wasn't even particularly familiar with miami i mean i didn't know much about the united states i knew about chicago because i liked michael jordan ah so i i had a little chicago bulls basketball hoop that I would hang up and and play with, but I didn't know anything about Miami. My mom was really familiar with Miami. She'd been there a few times already. And I think that it was just an opportunity to strive for more as kind of basic as that may sound. And it was just my mom, it was really my mom trying to set up a better future for me. And when we, we got to Miami, I was seven years old. I didn't speak English. My mom didn't speak English. Oh, wow. And, yeah.
0: That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. So you guys had to just immerse yourself in the culture, which and, you know, Miami, I don't know a whole lot about Colombian culture. I don't know a whole lot about Cuban culture, but I know they're not the same. So it's not like you're just jumping into something that you're familiar with, even though there, there's a, a very large Hispanic community down there. Did you have a a difficult time adjusting?
1: I would say that yes, more so my mom, to be honest. My mom is very big on Colombian culture and she lived in Colombia her entire life, obviously. So for her, I think it was a lot more culture shock. For me on a certain level, it was just easy that everyone spoke Spanish. I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to communicate right. and pretty early on just found that everybody spoke Spanish. I think you land in the airport and they're like, welcome to Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. And yeah, so it's yeah. like, all right, my people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't speak any English. How, how quickly did you start picking up on the language and, and, and assimilating into just daily life?
1: I think for me it happened really quickly. Honestly, I know that for a lot of kids coming into Miami, they were put into kind of non-English speaking programs within school. I think it's actually ESL. Everyone in Miami called it ESL. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's how I always knew it. I was like ESL, ESL. But um, I was never put into that program. My second grade was the first uh, school year that I did here. And my teacher, she was very strict and for some reason did not want me in that program. In a lot of ways it made it difficult at first, but I also think I was so immersed in English that it became second nature to me really, really quick. Wow. And
0: that's wild.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, Back in Colombia, I would watch a lot of American television. So I just kind of transitioned to watching the same shows I was watching, but in English. Oh, and so consuming okay. a lot of media, I loved reading. I've always loved reading. So I think for me, it happened pretty quick.
0: Okay. When did you start noticing music?
1: That's a weird question for me because so my mom's huge on music. She's always loved music and, and we would listen to a lot of music, but for her, it was a lot of Colombian artists and other Latin American artists or, okay. or Spanish artists. And I loved that music and it was fun, but it didn't necessarily feel like my music. And I think it was in second or third grade, I discovered Eminem and that was just revolutionary for me. I had the Marshall Mathers LP and I, I like to joke around that I learned English listening to the Marshall Mathers LP. <laughs> they they happened pretty simultaneously. I think that album was released in March, the March of 2000 and I got here in July 1999. I unfortunately was not he, I had no idea about Eminem prior to the Marshall Mathers LP. I, I, it was only later that I went back and I listened to the Slim Shady LP, right. but the Marshall Mathers LP, I had it. I played it on my Walkman nonstop, like back to back to back. <laughs> and so I would say that was my first real introduction to being a fan of an artist and being invested in that music. And through Eminem, I kind of started listening to a lot more hip-hop, but not necessarily, I, I went backwards, not really contemporary. I was listening oh. to older Jay-Z, Tupac, Biggie, just kind of things that Eminem would talk about in his music or right. mention as cool. And so I was like, if he thinks it's cool, it must be cool. Right, so, right I- yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> That's how I found some of my favorite artists is actually going through the liner notes in CDs and, and LPs and all and saying, if they thanked this band and they must be cool. So they must. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that'll go and research them. So it's kind of a similar way. You're actually hearing him say it though.
1: Yeah, exactly. He, cause he talks a lot about his influences and, you know, it was back when you actually got the CD. So it's funny that you're mentioning like l- reading the album notes or because that's also, I'm obsessed with lyrics. Lyrics was always my, most, my biggest draw to music was lyrics. I wasn't oh, okay. really listening to the beat or the instruments. I couldn't even identify them. Like I I wouldn't really know what I was talking about. I, I just knew what he was saying and the flow that he was using and the cadence of his voice. All those were things that I paid paid attention to. And so the booklets, you know, the lyrics are in there and I was just reading them nonstop trying to wow. understand exactly what he was saying
0: That's amazing. So, you because he's he goes a mile a minute, and so you're you don't know English very well. You're listening to this guy just speak like a machine gun, and you're trying to read along with it. And and English isn't your first language. That's impressive, man. That's um, that's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's weird because sometimes I go back and I listen to let's say songs from the Marshall Mathers LP. And I realized that there was absolutely no way that I would have understood what he was saying. <laughs> Even if I was fluent in English, just because I was eight years old and he's there saying like, I sit back with this pack of zigzags and this bag of this weed. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about, but ah, why do you have weeds sometimes. in a bag? <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, working work in the lawn care industry. What? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start? playing music? I mean, cause you play guitar and right. And, and
1: yeah. So my musical trajectory is strange because even though I kind of dabbled in a few instruments when I was young, I played a little bit of guitar. I played a little bit of piano. That was when I was very young. Okay. I wasn't very passionate about the instruments because like I said, I wasn't drawn to music for the beat or the guitar. I I didn't even understand what I was hearing. Really. I was only focused on the words and the lyrics and what the artist was saying. So I got into music through writing and it was more so writing lyrics and originally not even with the intention of doing anything with the lyrics, just the fact that I, connected with that aspect of the music and it felt powerful to me. And I've always loved writing, writing has been something that I've done since I was a little kid. I loved writing stories and I thought I was writing novels, but the chapters were a paragraph long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started writing lyrics pretty aggressively around my sophomore year of high school. Okay. I remember I was, hanging out at a buddy's house and he played me this song It was a hip hop song. And I was listening to it and I told him, yo, this is awesome. Who is this? He told me it's me. I made this in eighth grade when I was 13 and wow. it was like, my mind was melting. I didn't understand. <laughs> and then he started rapping along and I had to believe him. It, it, it was, it was him. It was his voice. Wow. And, that was the first time that I even realized that you don't have to be famous to make music, right, You don't yeah. have to be someone already to, to even make music. Like here was my friend who had made this when he was 12 or 13 years old. And so from that moment on, his name was Joey. And I just annoyed the crap out of him because <laughs> every day in school I would pass him torn out pages from my notebook with lyrics and I just would pass them to him and pass them to him. And I think his backpack by the time we were in senior year, must've been just crumpled, like full of crumpled papers of my lyrics that he stopped reading long, long ago. But I remember one time, one time we were walking back from lunch. This was senior year. So, about two years since I had started passing him lyrics nonstop.
0: Three backpacks back from, full of lyrics
1: later. Yeah. Three three backpacks full of lyrics later. We're walking back from lunch and I rhymed something at him and he asked me, he was like, Who was that? And I told him, Mom, I'm just freestyling. And he looked at me and he's like, Come to my house this weekend, let's record. Oh wow.
0: And
1: I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in.
0: <laughs> so you weren't out playing at that point. You're just doing it on
1: your no, own. Just writing at that point. Wow. And my, the first song I recorded was with him. We kind of started a little duo that we called here in color, but here in color, very oh. clever. And color spelled the British way. Cause yeah. we were. You know, different. Uh, (laughs) So we recorded that song and I just remember, I remember the, the day so vividly he had a little sound booth set up in a bathroom and I went in there and I had never recorded before and I didn't know how to do it. And I was wondering if I was going to go line by line or how this would go. And he was like, no, 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 that's crap. If you do it like that, you have to do it all in one take. And if you can't do it all in one take then we're not doing
0: it. Oh, wow.
1: And I was like, okay. So we recorded that song and I remember he burned it on a CD for me that day. And I was driving home. I couldn't stop listening to it. Just on repeat, listening to it on repeat. I loved his part. I thought my part was great. I was just blown away. I didn't know that I could sound like that or even, you know, perform in that way. Yeah. And I uploaded it to YouTube that night and wow. I, I, you know, posted it on, I think, no, it was already past MySpace. I posted it on Facebook and just, it got a lot of positive reaction from people in high school that would never talk to me. Oh, really? I was like, popular or anything, but all of a sudden I put this song out and people were like, Whoa, is this you? Is this really you? Like, this is awesome. And I was like, hell yeah, it's awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that is awesome.
1: Yeah. And, and from that point, I just kind of got a little obsessed and I would very much hound Joey to record more and more, but I think we only ever made two songs. He was a perfectionist with his stuff. And he would go in there and record what I thought was a masterful verse. And then he would get pissed off and delete it and say that it was garbage. So eventually I was like, all right, I'm going to do this on my own. And I drove to Best Buy, I bought a USB microphone. I bought, uh, a pop filter and I set it up in my closet, which wasn't even a walk-in closet or anything. I was like, in there, like cramped. Oh, geez. and I just started recording and I started putting out so much music. I think in my senior year of high school, I was putting out like a song a week Oh and just, wow. yeah, that, that was really my start into making music was, was that way. So
0: when did you decide to start taking it out of your house and going into clubs and, and playing outside in front of people?
1: yeah uh so when i started recording music i had a friend maudi who i still make music with to this day he was a huge part of the last ep scattered storms right yeah maudi was a great guitarist and he was very supportive of my music from the get-go like he was always i would say my biggest push into doing it more because he was already in bands. He had already performed live. He had done this whole thing and he was like, what you're doing is cool. And it's different. And I, that was very validating for me. And so then one of the earliest things he did was he basically asked me, is it cool with you? If I take these songs that you're recording and I just come up with chord progressions on the guitar and then, you know, we could play them at parties and stuff. And, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So that was how it really started. It was these songs that I was making either the beats that I had found on YouTube or beats from popular songs. Or later on I started working with some little producers and stuff, but Maudie would then take them and and make them something new on guitar. And at first it was just, we would be at a party and Maudie, Maudie already always took his guitar to parties. I was just, he was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so then it became a thing where we started performing at these parties. I was also really big on freestyling. So freestyling was a huge part of my early performances because I knew that, or in my point of view, if you couldn't freestyle, then you weren't actually, Worthwhile. Wow. Uh, Okay. And that goes a lot to my fandom of Eminem. I've heard Eminem freestyle. I know Eminem can freestyle. I know that the artists that he respected could freestyle. So then, to me, it was like I need to be able to do that. And being able to do that kind of was a very easy way to establish myself or prove myself as as a serious artist. That's how I felt. Okay. After that we formed a band with, it was pretty much a band that Marty had already been in, but they just all decided that they would like to play with me and, and, and basically start writing music together. So that was a band that we started probably when I was 18 or 19 and it was called dinosaurs and disasters. And that was a huge part of, Me starting to take this seriously, and because I was working with musicians of a really high caliber, and it was the first time when it wasn't just me in my closet recording. Like we were going to studios, we were. Oh wow! um, Yeah. So we recorded an EP called "Life After Youth," and that was music that we wrote all together. It was also my first time really writing music with other people. I remember being really self-conscious going into it because I didn't feel like a musician. You know, I was just writing raps and recording them in my closet Yeah, and here were these guys who for some reason they could all sing, they could all play every instrument. They could all, and I was, it was almost baffling to me, like why they wanted to make music with me. I, 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 I didn't really feel up to par. Okay. And so, but that was the first time that, I started writing in a way where I wasn't just really focused on how tight my raps were but more so how good the song was and my writing became more melodic we we played a lot with harmonies show spit like a shoe shine. royal to the bomb but i'm always getting two times two times i've been caught up in the middle two times i've been forced to reconsider Introduced me to the idea of harmonies, and okay. that be, that's now a huge part of my music. I love harmonies, and I realize that I've always loved harmonies because I, I, for example, I love the Beatles, and the Beatles are all about harmonies. Oh yeah! So working with them, I think, just really. Elevated my musician musicianship because we took it really seriously. We were practicing all the time. We were playing shows. We started getting booked at venues around Miami. Oh, we, cool. You know, we went on a tour of the South Florida. And also we played in, in Atlanta. We played in New York. We played in just a bunch of different places. And it started feeling like this wasn't just for fun anymore. This was Makes sense. Yeah. I serious. And yeah, that's, that's when I also really started to pay more attention to the music side of things too. It wasn't because it wasn't just my words that were important anymore. It was. Right. What's the baseline? What are we doing on the guitars? We had two guitar. The band at its full lineup was two guitars, bass, drums, and a viola player. Oh wow! Along with me, it was. It was a very eclectic mix.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to picture that in my head, man. You guys touring with all that. That must have been an amazing show, though. That must have been so much uh, it was, fun.
1: It was a lot of fun, and. I still think that some of my favorite live performances were with dinosaurs and disasters. Probably all of my favorite live performances were with dinosaurs and disasters because of the fact that it was a full band and it was really energetic. And we were playing all over Miami. We got to the point where people knew our songs and were coming out to see us. It was a huge, huge boost to my Musical confidence, too, to be able to like get on stage and put on a good show. And obviously, I was the front man, so it yeah. wasn't. I'm just getting on there and doing well, my part. It was. I was leading the shows.
0: To me, it it sounds like you never really have been lacking in musical
1: confidence, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Honestly, I think interesting. It, it, I've never really lacked in. I think. I've never lacked in, in confidence in that sense, but it was almost artistically that I didn't really see it where I didn't consider myself a full fledged musician where I was like, well, oh, I okay. can't really sing or play instruments or do any of these things. I was confident that what I was doing was cool and that I was doing it well, but I almost felt like there was a ceiling to it. Uh, or that, okay. that I wouldn't be a musician in that sense. Like I was very confident as a rapper, but not as a musician.
0: So it was like imposter syndrome.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. That makes, I mean, that makes total sense within
1: the band more. So when I was by myself, I didn't have that, but within the band, I definitely started getting a bit of that imposter syndrome.
0: That makes sense. So when did the freestyle rap for 26 straight hours happen?
1: That happened after moving in Los Angeles. So while we were working on the second Dinosaurs and Disasters EP, the band kind of fell apart. Okay. Not necessarily in a bad way. Just a few members had other things that they wanted to go on and do. And, you know, they actually, they went on and they did it. One of the guitarists of Dinosaurs and Disasters won his first Latin Grammy last year. Wow. And the other one is the head of a studio. So they had other, they, they, they didn't want, we were planning a big tour and they were like, Hey, I think this is a good time to kind of just let you know that this is not what we want to do.
0: Wow. Okay. And so
1: when that happened, me and two other members of the band, maudi and Seabass were like, well, then we're not going to stay in Miami. We didn't want to be in Miami, Miami. While it has an incredible music scene, it wasn't super responsive to the type of music that we were making. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Miami's really big on electronic music and then Latin music, but when you were playing this kind of rock hip hop fusion, you know, we would be at a venue and they'd see you setting up a drum set, and I think people had an aversive reaction to it and be like, "Well, we're gonna go outside." Oh wow! I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's that. And it's been growing more. South Florida does have a good scene for, for music, but Miami in particular is very selective with what they're into. I would say. Okay. And so we decided to come out to LA, Maudi, Seabass and I, and while we were out here, originally the plan was to continue dinosaurs and disasters, but we realized pretty early on that, that project was kind of over and we wanted to start fresh with something new. Okay. And that's when I decided to start good bison and good bison was always viewed more through the lens of a collaborative project rather than like a strict band. It wasn't the idea has always been that we could, we weren't restricted by the, limitations of a band in the sense that we always had to do everything together and always and every song had to have every member the first good bison song i didn't make with Maudi and sivas i worked on it with a different producer and so it's always been this kind of more collaborative effort with obviously myself at the center kind of driving it but more of a rotating cast of supporting players
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
1: I remember we released the first Good Bison EP in 2016. And leading up to the release of that project, I was doing a lot of freestyling. I met a lot of people here in Los Angeles who were big in the freestyle culture and just kind of lit a fire under me to to really up my game in terms of freestyling and it got to the point where I was a little cocky with it. <laughs> and, and I remember just sitting around one day and saying, you know, I could freestyle all day. It was it was just a joke, a offhanded joke. And then I kind of became this like bug in my head where I realized, you know what, I probably could freestyle all day. And I started thinking, wouldn't it be Hilarious! If someone is watching me freestyle, they go to sleep, they wake up, and I'm still freestyling. That was (laughs) the the motivation for it. So I did that. I literally did that in, in 2016. I think it was yeah, 2016. I freestyled for 25 hours at my house. There was no organization or or. It wasn't being done to break the Guinness world record. It was just literally a joke for me. And and that kind of went a little viral. And the following year in 2017, I was approached by super deluxe and they said, how would you like to do this again? And I was like, no. (laughs) And they were like, wait, wait, how would you like to do this again and actually get it verified by Guinness? We have a whole team and we want to do this the right way. And I was like, well, I guess. Wow. So I did it twice, the first time for 25 hours and the second time for 26 hours. The second time was a much bigger production. There was literally people working around the clock because Guinness has all these crazy regulations in terms of how to verify that you're actually breaking a record. And so there had to be independent witnesses that swapped out every two hours. There had to be nonstop footage of it. There had to be just a bunch of documentation. And obviously I wasn't going to do that on my own the first time, especially considering that, I didn't care about it, <laughs> why I was doing it. But at the second time, obviously it was a lot of fun. I did it with super deluxe and, and they got it verified by Guinness. And so Gosh. that was how an official Guinness world record holder. So, all
0: right. So how does that work? I mean, 20, okay. So 26 hours, you've got to be able to take a drink or take a leak or something. how how does this all I mean, are you taking the microphone into the toilet with you? I mean,
1: what? Yeah. This- so that literally happened <laughs> <laughs> only because I'm stubborn. Guinness gives you five minutes of break time for every consecutive hour of activity. Cause obviously they don't want people to die yeah. trying to do records or anything like that. <laughs> but I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. And I was like, no, that seems so fake that's not freestyling for 26 hours that's freestyling for 55 minutes taking a break and then going again right so i take any breaks zero breaks and so you know i definitely had water and i would take little sips i never stopping for longer than 2 seconds at a time Okay. So maybe while the beat is transitioning, I'll take a little sip of water and then jump right back in. I did go to the bathroom with the microphone and they followed me with a GoPro, waited outside the stall. <laughs> Just listening. That's, yeah. That's oh,
0: that's amazing and creepy all at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an invasion of personal space, <laughs> but I'm inviting it. So.
0: For the greater good, right? Yeah. So what was the record before you? Or was there one?
1: I think it was nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't fool around. No, nah. nah. <laughs> oh my God. Zero to a hundred real quick. So you, know? you,
0: you sit there. You don't want anybody to break that for a long, long time.
1: That's the thing though. Since I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about the Guinness record when I went into it. It was just the idea of freestyling for a day particularly because around that time I had gotten a little obsessed with the show new girl and there's a character in it Schmidt who is super ridiculous. And And there was a time when he was doing pushups or something. And he was like, I could do this all day. Yeah. And so me and my friends started saying that like all day, all day. And then <laughs> so that to me became a joke. It was just, it was always a joke. That's why it's so, silly to me to sometimes think about how serious it became and the fact that it was actually a guinness world record and things like that
0: that's amazing
1: it was, yeah
0: God. well one thing i could do all day is drink buffalo trace so hey <laughs> i may have done that once or twice too so i don't oh, think yeah, there's I a mean, guinness record for that
1: though oh i'm um, I, I probably broke that
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was, I went back and I started listening to the very first Good Bison EP and the LP that you put out. But I want to know, first of all, what's, is there anything behind the name Good Bison? Is there a meaning to it or is it just something that you came up with?
1: It was pretty much just something that I came up with, but it also does have meaning, which at this point is I'm a little hazy on whether I thought about the meaning going into it or I've retroactively applied it. Yeah, But a huge part of it to me was dinosaurs and disasters was a huge part of my musical journey. And I, and I love dinosaurs and disasters. And so I wanted to kind of continue on some level with the animal imagery okay. and, you know, after the dinosaurs got wiped out, it was the time of the mammals. So oh, there you go. And and good bison is also a pun like goodbye son. And now thinking about it, it does have the meaning that, you know, this was made when this project good bison was made after I left Miami, my family, which is my mom, it's always just been my mom and I, my mom's still in Miami. So I left it's goodbye is a huge thing. That informs where I'm at today. And so, I love the pun. I love the fact that it continued the animal imagery. And I also just think it it rolls off the tongue in a way that Dinosaurs and Disasters never did, which was, (laughs) so I loved the name, but later on I was like, oh, it's so clunky and people always have questions about it. And (laughs) these random people who can't even spell dinosaurs sometimes, and it's like, (laughs) ah.
0: So what does mom think about the music?
1: My mom is super supportive. She isn't necessarily the biggest fan of the style of music that I make. Not that she doesn't like it, but it's just, like I said, my mom is huge on, on Latin music. I don't think she listens to a lot of like music in English. I mean, she loves the Bee Gees and she loves (laughs) Michael Jackson, but it's just not necessarily like her cup of tea. Right.
0: But it's it's great that, you know, she came here to make a better life for you guys and, and here you are, you know, living your dream. See, I mean yeah. gotta make her yeah. so proud. Definitely. So all right, so I was going back to to the music, the first EP is really cool. I was listening to it and, and the the songs The Machine and Ra Ra Rational, I love those. I love the guitar tone specifically in, in the machine.
1: Light me up another one. While we're still young Cause I remember where we
2: came from
1: Why you gotta call me when I'm all up in my zone Why you gotta call me when I'm all up in my
0: zone Please leave a message after the tone when you are finished, you may hang up or press 1 for special That's action. just so awesome. That's that's the sound. I love that sound. That yeah. Almost almost shoegazy sound. It's just awesome. So it's definitely more of an indie rock type of sound. Mm-hmm. And then That's Bodhi comes out. And that's a lot more hip-hop and a lot less root rock. First of all, I want to ask is that like a, a Point Break concept album? Because...
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you caught on to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. Um, the songs aren't necessarily super themed on the like concept album side of it, but it was all inspired by Bodhi. That's awesome. And so, you know, that's why the last song on the project is called Johnny Utah. So trying hard to keep it steady there's confetti in my hair and there's a party over here there's a party over there there's a party over here buffaloes a couple lows and different bottles up in here we've been chugging like a sprawl mission coming up in here drinking a day drinking a night a yeah day. it that's was definitely
0: now is it original point break or the remake
1: oh original i oh. haven't even seen the remake
0: <laughs> that's so that yeah. when i saw the ep come up or the uh the lp come up that's podium like this is really weird. <laughs> How am I going yeah, to cover the cover art
1: has us in the in the president's mask. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like uh, I- the title of the project literally comes from a line in the movie when I think jo- uh, Johnny Utah's on the beach and he asks this girl, "Who's that?" and she goes, "That's Bodie. And it's like, and you see nice. him and he's surfing and he's got this golden <laughs> hair and, you're like, oh man, that's Bodhi. <laughs> and so Bodhi for us was also a bit of an inside joke because we started using Bodhi as a synonym for cool. Or so when we say that's Bodhi, that means that's cool. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. You got more of a, of a hip hop, less indie rock sound on, on that. And it, did you move away from the indie rock sound purposefully or was that a, kind of a uh, producer's decision
1: no it was so it was a mix honestly going into the first ep buffalo roots i worked on that very closely with maudy and seabass and we it was also influenced a lot by what i was listening to and i think that it was a lot more indie rock but even in particular i remember being super into Lord's first album. Oh yeah. 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 And I, I was like blown away by that sound. And I think that in a lot of ways that inspired the direction that we went in with Buffalo roots, even though it was completely different, but I, I was more so in that headspace. And then after Buffalo roots, it became a little hard to follow up on that because for whatever reason, Maudie Seabass and I weren't on the same page, not necessarily creatively or musically, just in life, we weren't, you know, we had just moved to Los Angeles. Everyone was trying to get their footing, trying to figure out what to do. And I was very much, well, I want to keep doing music right now. And we had linked up with this producer who helped us record and mix Buffalo roots. His name is Jayhawk and Jayhawk is a legendary LA producer, but very much in the hip hop scene you know, he has records with artists like Chris Brown, Tyga just pretty established, uh, hip hop sound. I even know those guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So after releasing Buffalo roots and it feeling like I was the main one that wanted to follow up with something, I decided, you know, I can go a little more back to my roots. Which my roots were really hip hop, right. and because at that time I didn't necessarily feel like I could write the type of music that we had done on Buffalo Roots by myself. Uh, okay, I, I was starting to play more guitar, but I was not. I'd never written a song on guitar or anything like that without Maudie. Okay, so
0: so the confidence in the guitar playing wasn't there yet.
1: Yeah, it wasn't there yet. So I decided I wanted to put out more of a hip hop mixtape. That's how I viewed it in my head. I was like, I want to put out a hip hop mixtape. I want to work with a bunch of different producers and obviously with Jayhawk. And as that project evolved, like it started out very much hip hop centric, but as the project evolved, I ended up writing some songs that I realized weren't Strictly hip hop, like the second half of that project opens up a a little more around the time that, you know, wavy and then why'd you leave and campeon, and and then it becomes this more of like not necessarily that indie rock sound from before, but it's like a more pop oriented and and melodic and not that straight hip hop sound of songs like. YBMF or Silo Rough or things like that where I'm just kind of going off rapping. Okay, I, I gotta
0: ask okay, first first of all, Campion, one of my favorite tracks on that. And it's just that's a really great track. And away we go. Amazing. Now those those songs, those two in particular, and, and YBMF, they sound like, you know, you're you're writing from your personal experience. Is that where you find most of your Lyrical content. Is that how you come up with your lyrical content or is it, you, you did mention that you used to just write when you were younger. Is it, is it, are you writing based on uh, like a, a story or, or uh, something in your head or is a lot of it based on personal experience or is it a mix?
1: Most of it is based on personal experience. I would say the majority of my lyrics are coming from personal experience and that is also really informed by my early love of hip hop and kind of nineties hip hop, where it was like if these artists aren't talking about themselves then they're not real and that's, then they get kind of pushed aside. So it was listening to Eminem. Obviously Eminem is very autobiographical in his lyrics. And so I've always thought that I had to be authentic in my music. Authenticity is very important to me. So I'm not writing from, imagine points of view not that there's anything wrong with that like i think some of my favorite songs are you know written in a, in a looser way not necessarily this happened to me right, but with right. my music it's all pretty much things that have happened to me or maybe things that have happened to someone really close to me but it's pretty much all personal experience
0: personal experience and star wars
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I do love Silo Rough. There are a lot of references in there, and I love the belch at the end, by the way.
1: You love what, sorry?
0: The belch at the end.
1: Oh yeah, that was real. That happened. Um, <laughs> and that loud, you hear like people laugh like yeah. th- those people in the studio that it was just like, What happened? I, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know.
0: So how soon after That's Bodhi, did you start working on Scattered Storms, the new EP?
1: It took a while, because after That's Bodhi, That's Bodhi came out, then I did the second freestyle where I went for 26 hours and I broke the record, and I was kind of over it for a while. (laughs)
0: 26 straight hours will do it.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't... I had no... Motivation or direction for what I wanted to do next. I kind of felt drained and I definitely didn't want to rap and I didn't want to. I wasn't even like listening to music that much. Oh wow. I withdrew a lot and it took me a while to find a creative outlet. And that was when I started getting more into guitar because I realized that I still had things inside me that I wanted to get out, but I didn't, I wasn't thinking lyrically at that point. And I started playing more guitar and around that time, like in the, in the following years, because that's Bodhi came out in 2017 and scattered storms came out in 2021. So there's a pretty big gap there. And in those years, I kind of was playing guitar. I wrote some of my first songs on guitar and once I was writing the chords, it was lyrics coming out of me again, but I wasn't writing them down on paper the way that I've always written or they weren't, I wasn't thinking about these songs words first. I was thinking about them from the music. Oh, uh, okay. Barely. And so scattered storms has four songs on it. Two of them were things that I wrote myself on guitar over those two years and then two of the other songs are things I worked on with Mowdi towards the end of 2020 or summer twenty twenty.
0: Okay. Okay. So
1: it took a while. It wasn't a direct follow-up. I I think that what really inspired me to put out another project was the pandemic in a certain way. Okay. Because in twenty nineteen, let's say that Spoti came out in twenty seventeen the end of 2017 and all of 2018 i was very unmotivated musically i wasn't really doing much and okay. 2019 comes around and i start getting back into it but that was when i was playing more guitar and i started setting up live shows but they weren't just good bison live shows i was organizing these events where i would have a lineup of performers and every every month I would have a different featured artist and oh, cool. basically it'd be a lineup of performers, then a good bison set. And then their featured artists. So it was, I was hosting the events and I, I did one a month. I think all of 2019, my intention was to keep that going 2020, but obviously the world happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: and God. so, you know, then all of a sudden I found myself at home, Frustrated because I couldn't organize these shows. I couldn't go to shows. I was going to a lot of live shows to myself just as a fan. Uh, And so that I started getting the bug in my head where I was like, well, I want to put out a project. I want to put out a project. And at first I wanted it to be acoustic because I had, I was writing these songs acoustically. I was writing these songs on guitar. And it was just my voice. That was how I heard them. I didn't envision them necessarily any other way. I didn't want to get bogged down by production either, because that can sometimes be so overwhelming. And then as Maudi got involved and we started adding bass and we started recording little percussion that we had lying around and then worked further with George Spitz, who's an amazing producer, musician, engineer, just, all around great guy. And I remember he called me and he was like, man, these songs are great, but I really want to lay down drums on them. And I was all for it. My whole thing was, I just don't want to stray too much from that organic sound. So it's yeah. In my head. I was thinking if you have a drum kit at home and, or in your home studio and you want to play drums and lay that on this, then yes, that fits my vision. And it, and it, and it lines up with what I want to do. I just don't want to start, you know, adding synths and, you know, 808s or or things like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, you want to, like you said, you wanted to sound as organic as possible. Yeah. It's four tracks and I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way because after a song like YBMF, this may sound a little weird, but black garlic, I love that song. It's so sweet.
1: darling i've got you on my breath please pardon the dirt in my apartment and the mess in my head black garlic oh sweet darling
0: got it's a yeah. beautiful little track I, I love it i i it's hard for me to to say which one is my favorite, because it's four tracks, and they're all really great. And Lunatic. Lunatic is all, it's, it's so, it's very short, but it, it you pack so much into it. it it's awesome. And the video's really cool. Thank you. I like the, so how did, the videos, how did you do the video? Because I, I think I remember reading something about how You kind of snuck in someplace to to shoot it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the video was actually conceptualized by the visual director that I was working on with this project because a huge thing that I wanted to do different with scattered storms was I wanted to put as much energy and creativity into the visuals and the presentation as I did into the music. And I'm not necessarily a very, visual minded person. Like I said, I've, I, I've always been a lyrical and I'm pretty new to the even musicality, like the complete musicality of things. So okay. I worked with a visual director who helped me really translate the music and the sounds into imagery. Krollhouse, House, incredibly talented. And she was the one who came up with the idea for the video because of the fact that skateboarding was a huge part of my upbringing. I was, I was actually, you know, skateboarding when I was a teenager and the idea was to just have me sitting there and have skaters somewhat representing my thoughts skating around me. And the idea that these thoughts are going around me and I'm trying my best not to pay attention to them since that's such a central theme of lunatic. And I remember we were going back and forth on possible locations. We wanted it to be a skate park, but we didn't want it to be crowded or to look generic or anything like that. And at one point, we found this skate bowl in the middle of the desert, but it was hours away and and very dangerous to skate in. But we were, and we couldn't decide where to do it. And one day we were on a hike and she just sees this abandoned water reservoir and she's like, that's where we need to shoot. Wow. And then we started just trying to find out how to get in there. We didn't even know where we were, where it was. <laughs> we, were up, we were up on a hill looking down at it. Wow. And so we pulled out maps, tried to figure out how to get there eventually figured out where the location was and it was all fenced in but you, but there was a hole in the fence that clearly someone had cut. open, (laughs) And so we just pretty much said, screw it, let's do it. And it was a bit of a, it was like a 20 minute walk from where the place where you had to park the car. So I remember walking with all the equipment, the cameras, water bottles, everybody walking. And it just reminded me a lot of the things I used to do when I was a teenager, because that was literally what we were doing. We were sneaking into spots and skating, except we were, 14 years old and didn't have all this equipment, but <laughs> yeah, we definitely weren't supposed to be there, but we didn't get in trouble. And yeah, that's <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> well I really enjoying this the EP. It's really cool. It's, it's, um, like I said, it's, it's brand, the sounds are brand new to me. So i um, it's really like a, a breath of fresh air to me it's so much different than, than what I would normally listen to. And, that's one of the things I've actually come to love about doing this podcast is that I'm finding not only new artists to listen to, but new genres of music and and you fit right into both of those. So I'm really enjoying and I enjoyed going back and listening to the, the older stuff too. It's really been an adventure.
1: Yeah. And sometimes the stuff that I put out can feel disjointed because it doesn't follow a strict genre or even like a strict genre evolution. It seems like it kind of hops around. And when I listen, you know, after putting out scattered storms, I did go back and I listened to Buffalo roots and I listened to that's Bodhi. And then I listened to scattered storms and I, even though they're all so different, there does seem to be this kind of unifying thread throughout the music that kind of puts it all under the good bison umbrella. And, What's funny to me is that scattered storms also in a lot of ways is closer to what I was doing with dinosaurs and disasters. It's still different because it's more informed by the previous two good bison projects, but it also goes back to that kind of rockier sound that we were doing with dinosaurs and disasters. So it just felt like a culmination of all these things that I've done and the experiences that I've had, lessons i've learned and, and that i was able to put into effect in scattered storms
0: oh that's that's awesome what's what's next for good bison this this EP just came out in january so it's not that old are you working on new music or are you uh, hoping that things open up and you can play some live shows or do you do any streaming events
1: i am very eager to start performing live i want to perform this project with a band and just get in front of audiences and, and, and hopefully perform here in Los Angeles where I am. I want to go back to Miami and perform over there, but I am also looking to start organizing my events again. That was such a, huge driving factor for me. And, and it was, and it's fulfilling, not in the sense, not only in the sense that it gives me an audience to perform to, but I love the idea of bringing artists together and being able to showcase other artists that I like, and that I think are talented and deserve to be, you know, recognized. Yeah. So I am very eager to do that, especially because sometimes when I get my when my brain just starts running away it really feels like oh if i could scale this this would literally be a festival you know i would yeah and so i would love to just grow it and and see where that can can go and you know there's nothing to say there's no reason not to think that this couldn't one day be a festival or something along those lines so i definitely want to start organizing shows. I think now that people are getting vaccinated and things are opening back up, I'm going to feel comfortable organizing some, some outdoor events. I am also working on the next good bison single. It's a song called I can't seem to find my place. And it's a very special song to me. I uh, wrote it after becoming obsessed with pet sounds and Brian Wilson in general. So it's very Brian Wilson inspired. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm very eager to get it out, but I'm also really picky about the production process. It does, I don't want to rush that. And I want it to sound right because In a lot of ways it's it's bigger than Scattered Storms because Scattered Storms is literally just drums, guitar, bass, and I can't seem to find my place has a lot more elements. Okay. And but I also want it to feel raw and organic. So it's this it's 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 i I'm really excited about that song and I'm hoping to get it out towards the end of summer. So it won't be too long of a wait. But I'm still in pretty early stages with it. It's fully recorded and stuff. It's just now finalizing the production and, and the mix. And I'm also working on it with the with the same people I worked on Scattered Storms with. So it's Maudey and George. And oh, cool! I'm really excited about
0: that. Well, I'm really excited to hear your take on Brian Wilson. That is yeah. that's exciting to me. That sounds like it's gonna be really. Really interesting. Like I, I, I can't imagine the layers and and newer take on Brian Wilson is something that that's much needed.
1: I am s- obsessed with Brian Wilson. I, <laughs> I can't tell you how eye opening or ear opening listening to Pet Sounds has been. Yeah. And just after that, I've gone and just done a deep dive on the Smile sessions. Oh and just, yeah. Uh, i i could talk for hours honestly
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i may have to have me back on to uh do a show about brian wilson that's one of the uh, topics i've been thinking about doing. i will have people back on uh from time to time and we'll do shows that are have nothing to do with their music it's a completely separate topic so i would i've been kind of trying to think of who would be a good fit for that so if you're oh interested. I would
1: be honored honestly. I was lucky enough to see Brian Wilson live oh wow in 2019 at the Greek Theater here in Los Angeles and such an emotional experience. I went to go see him speak at UCLA and and watched a never before seen performance of Smile. I'm oh, wow. you know very very much Grateful for Brian Wilson's contributions to music, and yeah. would love the chance to talk more about it.
0: Well, let's let's do it. I'll I'll uh, well before we we get too too much into Brian Wilson. Where can people order the EP? How can they follow you on social media and keep up with uh, the music, the the new songs coming out, the and the events that that you'd like to hopefully get back into doing.
1: So, Good Bison. You can find us on Instagram. Just like that, at Good Bison. I'll be definitely keeping everybody up to date on Instagram. Our website is goodbisonmusic.com, and you can find links to everything there. The music is available on every streaming plat- platform, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Tidal, whatever you use, it's there. So just search Good Bison, and it should be pretty easy to find. Excellent. Much easier to spell than Dinosaurs and Disasters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rolls
0: off the tongue. Well, yeah. Pablo, thank you so much, man. It's been a blast talking with you and learning about the music and, and listening to stuff that's, that's brand new to me. It's, it's great. I've really enjoyed it.
1: No, thank you so much for taking the time to check it out and for having me on. I've had a lot of fun talking to you, and this is great.
2: I can't find my way back home. I've lost the road. I told my friends they're not alone, time is on our side
1: tonight, but I know it's a trip. I'm a lunatic, trapped inside these record skips. I lost my mind on a day, when I couldn't wait, patience was just never one of my traits, I want it right out the gate say i was too eager to get me a taste that i'm moving through i heard that it's juicy go on and seduce me like i do to lucy i've only got two seats it's kind of a nuisance but long as i'm moving and it, i don't feel so useless threw in my two cents and didn't make change so that's why i sit here refusing my brain it's hard to keep track of the days when everyone's wasted i